Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Vendors at the Berryessa Flea Market in San Jose are getting ready for some big change. The privately owned land La Pulga sits on is going to be developed into commercial and residential space. This change is hitting hard for the many immigrant vendors who make their livelihood selling at La Pulga. And for a whole generation of people who grew up in San Jose, This means watching yet another staple of their city get eaten up by new development. Growing up at the flea market and being surrounded by like such a melting pot of different cultures, that was kind of what made San Jose, San Jose. And even like, you know, like the different parts of San Jose now, it starts to not feel like home for me. Today, how a younger generation of vendors are saying goodbye to La Polka. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. So La Pulga is one of the biggest outdoor markets in California. Carlos Cabrera Lomeli is a community engagement reporter for KQED. He reported this story on La Pulga alongside Arati Bandlamudi, who covers Silicon Valley. It's like no other place in the Bay Area. It's just, it's, it's, it's aisles and aisles of stalls that sell everything, 
whether that's like spices, furniture, art. You have so many stalls that are, you know, owned by Latinx, Latin American families, but also by Southeast Asian, South Asian families. So it really is a really cool reflection of San Jose. What is happening to it? La Pulga sits on private property. It takes up about 50 acres of space, and that property is owned by the Bum family. Around this time last year, summer, a vote came uh, and the city council decided to allow the Bum family to build this urban village where La Pulga is. La Pulga is really big. It's about 50 acres in size. So this urban village is going to have condominiums. It's chic. It's meant for this affluent incoming crowd uh, that's been brought by the Silicon Valley tech boom. When the city decided this, part of that was that the La Pulga would have five more years before its doors finally close. Hmm. The vote was basically that it'll be transformed into this like indoor slash outdoor, like, you know, multi-use space. And so like, even in the future, La Pulga is not necessarily going to go away. It's just that it's going to change. And we don't know what that change is going to look like. And the vendors are worried for what that future is. So, Aditi, you and Carlos went out to La Pulga to follow up with vendors, many of whom are first-generation immigrants. What did you find when you went out to do your reporting? We've been following the story, I think, for a while, talking to the vendors who are like the immigrants who came to start, you know, a business for their family, to support their families. But um, this the story that we ended up finding when we went there was the story of their children and how they're making sense of their future as Silicon Valley changes. One of the people we spoke to is Katrina Ramos White, and she grew up in San Jose, helping out her parents at La Pulga each weekend. Growing up at the flea market and being surrounded by like such a melting pot of different cultures, um, like that was kind of what made San Jose, San Jose. This stall originally was opened by Katrina's parents. And Katrina's parents worked there for decades. And it was the supplemental income for them that really helped them cover essential expenses and was able to get Katrina and her siblings through school. Mm-hmm. I went to um, San Jose State. My older brother and older sister went to San Jose State. My younger sister went to Santa Clara. You know, and the flea market paid for all of that. And now she lives in the South Bay. She currently works in tech. She's married. She's married to Russell. I met her about 2016 out here in San Jose. They have, Um, you know, their own jobs. And on the weekends, Katrina and Russell are, you know, working at the stall again, even though they have their own full-time jobs. Katrina has a full-time job in tech. When did she get involved in selling at La Pulga? So she's been selling at La Pulga since she was like a kid. But a few years ago, um, sort of like just before the pandemic hit, her parents ended up retiring. But in the Bay Area, we're like, you know, that I feel like everybody's hustling, right? Everybody has like a side project. They asked me if we wanted to take over. I just couldn't. I 
didn't want to just let it go. So, you know, in the pandemic's highs and lows... The flea market was kind of what helped us stay afloat. And now it's a way that she can, like, just continue to make money. It is a lot of work, but I think just growing up, seeing my parents work seven days a week, I'm like, this is normal. Just ask, I mean, she had a job in in tech in Silicon Valley, so did her husband. Why does she still need to sell at at La Pulga? Russ and Katrina just got married, and they're looking to start a family, and they want to build a home. You know, like, I always, like, dreamed about buying a house near my parents and being able to, like, just, like, walk over, you know? And that's impossible. She doesn't make enough in her tech job for that to be the only way of generating wealth. We notice this sort of like tension that is there that like so many Asian or immigrant families face. So like Katrina and Russ want to buy a house that her parents can like live with them in. So that would mean that they would need a bigger home. They'd need at least a three bedroom, four bedroom house and a backyard so the kids could play. And that is very expensive in the Bay Area. I mean, like. That's not <laughs> like my husband and I are looking and uh-uh is not happening. <laughs> it's impossible. Impossible. OK, Carlos, so we just heard Katrina's story. She's someone who works at La Pulga in order to try and afford to buy a home here. But now La Pulga is about to see some changes in the next few years. And I know people like Katrina will have to figure out what to do with their businesses How many people are we talking about living in this unknown about the future of life after La Pulga? So we're talking about at least 700 vendors who work at La Pulga. It's a huge number. And what's important to mention is that, you know, if you go to a stall, it's not just, you know, the vendor and their family, but it's also several other families that like, you know, for example, the supplier then the distributor. So it's a chain reaction that will go beyond the the confines of La Pulga. Aurithi, I want to go back to Katrina. She's, as you were talking about, someone who relies on La Pulga for supplemental income. So what's going to happen to her when La Pulga closes? How, does she, how is she thinking about that? Without the flea market, they can no longer save to buy a house and they are thinking they're just going to close a stall. And that means that they just can't live here anymore. Hmm. You're kind of getting closed in, um, especially when, like, a house that's, like, exactly the same blueprint as my parents' house down the street from us sells for, like, over $2 million. And that's especially, I think, bittersweet to Katrina's parents. Right. Yeah. Because, we mean, talked with Katrina's parents who were like, all of our kids are like moving away. I mm-hmm. wish they would stay. And Katrina's right. like, yeah, but it's expensive. Like, right. Who? Right. And Katrina's parents, I mean, they worked 30, 40 years, you know, two jobs. I mean, well, with the hope that then they, you know, their kids would, ha- would not face the same economic challenges that they did. Right. But it seems like the cost of living has risen so much that those challenges have kind of caught up to this second generation.
So for them, it's like saying goodbye to La Pulga also means saying bye, goodbye to the bay. Yeah, you know, there was like, there was this moment when talking to Katrina about the life that she had dreamed for her children, where they would grow up in the same neighborhood that she grew up in, and they would play in the playgrounds, and they could be near, you know, her, their grandparents, and they could, you know, they could enjoy the, you know, being so close to the beach and close to the mountains. And because it's so expensive to live here, they will not have that. That dream is gone. I mean, you, you just feel the area changing. Yeah. I mean, with the BART station opening up, um, these condos over here, these new developments, and the like, even like the Safeway has opened up. Um, it, it's just a different area. In a good way or in a bad way? Um, it's definitely gentrified. Uh, sometimes I look around and it doesn't feel like where I grew up. Uh, Carlos, it also seems like something I've been thinking about is like Katrina has her foot in old San Jose and new San Jose at the same time as someone who works in tech. And that I just have to imagine that must feel so conflicting as someone who grew up there. Totally. And she feels like it's she's balancing both kind of like two generations at the same time, her parents' generation and what San Jose was for them and her current generation, which is like what San Jose is trying to be now. It's kind of a weird in-between because I work in tech and like this is like the lifestyle that you know, my coworkers live, but like at the same time, I grew up at the flea market, you know, and, and this is, these are my people too. It's like an interesting, like, very interesting, like straddling of two worlds kind of. I think that's a choice that so many other young people who grew up in the Bay Area, who have grown up in the Bay Area, um, you know, these past 20 years have kind of have to make. Aditi, how does Katrina plan to spend these last four years um, at La Polga? Is she going to just ride it all the way through? Is she thinking of dipping out early? I'm, I'm curious how she's thinking of these next four years um, that La Polga will exist. Honestly, I don't think it was that clear of like what her plans are. She had said at one point that she's going to keep working at the flea market until it makes sense. Like, she's ready to say goodbye to it because, like, it's time and it doesn't make sense anymore because it's it's coming to a close. When talking to all these folks about what their plans are, they're like, we're going to find a way to make it work. We're not worried about the future. I mean, the future is uncertain and it is unclear and it is scary, but we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And Katrina was saying how... That is so indicative of like immigrant, the immigrant ethos of like, we get the job done. Not to sound like Lin-Manuel Miranda here, but like, <laughs> you know, that like we'll find a way to like figure it out. That's just what has been happening. And like struggle is not something that is, you know, foreign to immigrants. It is a thing that is like real, literally baked into our stories and they're going to find a way through it because that's what they've done for generations and generations before. Exactly. Being children of immigrants, like, we know that they came to this country to give us a better life. And everything that we do was built on their backs. 
it's like that that hustler mentality like you work hard and when your back's against the wall if you need to make money you need to make money people's backs are going to be up against the wall and they are going to make it happen because that's all we know how to do Like, when I started reporting this story, I think I came in thinking that these vendors were sort of helpless and they had, like, no supports and, like, no mm -hmm. way to protect themselves. But the truth is that these vendors are not helpless. They are sophisticated and smart and savvy, and they are figuring out what their future looks like with or without the flea market. And, um, like, even though the flea market ending is, like, a very big change I'm so curious to see like what they do to like move ahead saying goodbye to La Pulga on their own terms exactly Carlos and Arati thank you so much thanks for having us thank you That was Carlos Cabrera Lomeli, a community engagement reporter with KQED, and Aditi Bandlamudi, our Silicon Valley reporter. This 41-minute conversation was cut by producer Maria Esquinka. Christopher Beal engineered this episode, scored it, and added all the tape. We got additional editing support from Kiana Mogadam, our senior producer of podcasts. You can always keep in touch with all of us at The Bay on Twitter. We are at The Bay KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. You can catch me on Twitter at Notorious ECG. Thanks so much for listening. Peace. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. <laughs>